Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Texas lost to TCU on Saturday and taking some time to decompress and try to figure out what happened, what went wrong on Saturday. And so we talk about that and everything, I guess, that what this means for this Texas team moving forward this season and going into next year. But my first question I want to pose for you is what has Steve Sarkeesian brought? to the University of Texas. And I know he's been an elite recruiter. The 2022 class led by Kelvin Banks looks promising. The 2023 class looks amazing, led by Arch Manning and uh, some of the prospects they're still talking about landing in that class as we head into you know early signing day and, and, and signing day over the next two to three months. So Steve Sarkeesian has been an elite recruiter at the University of Texas. That's 20 to 30% of the job. I give him credit for that. But as far as the on-field product, what has Steve Sarkeesian brought to the University of Texas. I was sold on Steve Sarkeesian being an elite offensive mind. His offenses at Alabama were all time historic. He had a wide receiver win the Heisman with his quarterback and his running back also top five in the Heisman voting. That was what I was sold on when Steve Sarkeesian took the job at the University of Texas, that I was getting elite offense. And last year, the offense was borderline elite. It was 17th in the country. I think you would say that the conversation with elite starts at top 15 in the country. So it was knocking on the door. And we felt like, okay, you know, we thought (laughs) we were improving quarterback play-wise and offensive line-wise and wide receiver-wise and tight end-wise. And so we said, okay, this offense should be even more explosive in 2022. It's the defense we have to worry about. Well, that 17th ranked scoring offense in 2021 has turned into a 34th ranked scoring offense in 2022. And I said two head, I said two things that new head coaches have to come in and do is change the trajectory of the program and establish an identity on their side of the ball and eventually dominate on their side of the ball. To this point, I can't say that Steve Sarkeesian has done either of the two. He's the offensive mastermind. The offense has held this team back at times in some of their biggest games of the season. He's the play caller. The play calling has been suspect at times. As a head coach, his in-game management has been suspect at times. This team's inability to play complementary football has shown up at times. In the biggest game of the year, your side of the ball, the offense, the players in a game where they controlled their own destiny for the Big 12 championship came out and looked flat, looked unmotivated, looked like they didn't want to be there. People behind the scenes were saying they looked like they had lost the game before it even started. Like this was just another football game. So I have to question how much you're motivating these players for these games that aren't Alabama. But hell, this was undefeated TCU. So what has Sark brought to the University of Texas? He's 11 and 11 as a head coach at the University of Texas. I'm not calling for his job. I still think he has plenty of time to turn this around. But through 22 games, he has left some meat on the bone when four of his wins are against non-Power 5 opponents. Three of his wins this year are against literally the three bottom teams at the Big 12. Iowa State, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Last year, you beat TCU and Texas Tech. They fired their coaches. You have one decent win and one good win as the head coach at the University of Texas, and both came against Kansas State. 
what has Steve Sarkeesian brought to the University of Texas in the two biggest games this year? The defense held Alabama to 20 points and held TCU, who averages 45 points a game, to 17 points. So in the two biggest games of the year, I needed our offense to score 21 points and 18 points at home. With 100,000 rocking in DKR, I needed my offense to score 21 points and 18 points, respectfully. And in the TCU game, your defense gave you seven points. So really, I only needed 11 points from the offense against TCU. I got one touchdown and five field goals. In the two biggest games of the year, one against Alabama and one against TCU, where you controlled your own destiny to the Big 12 championship with an elite offensive coach, with the best running back in the country, with the best backup running back in the country, with one of the most talented quarterbacks ever with Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, JT Sanders, you name it, at the skill positions. At home, I got one touchdown and six field goal attempts with five field goals made. While Pete Kukowski in that defense that we just asked to be competent, asked to be middle of the road, elevated their stock. Held two teams with two top 10 to 15 offenses, almost four touchdowns below their season average. And Texas went 0-2 in those games with an elite offensive mind, an elite offensive personnel. I was sold on Steve Sarkeesian being a quarterback whisperer. We talked about what he had done with the likes of Mac Jones and Jake Locker and Matt Liner. Right. Putting all of these quarterbacks in the NFL quarterbacks being better because they have been coached by Steve Sarkeesian quarterbacks being better because they had been under the tutelage of Steve Sarkeesian. So why has Quinn Ewers regressed? Why has Quinn Ewers regressed since the Oklahoma game? Since the Oklahoma game, he's averaging, averaging 18 incompletions a game. Averaging 18 incompletions a game since the Oklahoma game. Why has he regressed? And I know that he's a young quarterback. I know that he essentially should be a true freshman. And so I'm going to give him some grace. This is also a quarterback that's almost been on campus for a year now. He's been on campus since January. And he's regressing in season. Sark is supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Why is he not whispering to Quinn Ewers? Why does Quinn Ewers look like this? And more importantly, who is your loyalty to? Is it to Quinn Ewers or is it to the rest of the football team? Because I understand you having a young quarterback and you doing everything in your power to make sure that you keep his confidence level high, his energy high, his investment high, and make sure that you don't rattle him. I completely understand that. But this isn't an NFL franchise. We don't have Quinn Ewers for the next 10 to 15 years. At the end of next year, barring anything crazy, Arch Manning will be your starting quarterback at the University of Texas. You're on borrowed time with Quinn Ewers. But not only are you on borrowed time with Quinn Ewers, you're on borrowed time with all of these players in the locker room, seniors that have never tasted success at the University of Texas outside of a few big wins. 
playing LSU and Alabama close. And you had a chance, Steve Sarkeesian, to get these players out of here with a chance to play for the Big 12 championship, a chance to win the Big 12 championship. Players like B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, Keandre Coburn and DeMarvion Overshawn on the defensive side. And I don't feel like you've been fair to them because you've shown more loyalty to Quinn Ewers than the rest of the players on your football team. I'm not saying that you should have benched Quinn Ewers for the season. I'm not saying that you should have benched Quinn Ewers and put Hudson Card in for a long period of time. But against the Oklahoma State game, where he was throwing 30 incompletions and looked completely lost, you should have put Hudson Card in to save your season. To save all of those players who have been here for four or five years and have never really had the chance to play for anything to save their season. And against TCU, when it was very obvious that Quinn Ewers didn't have it and that offense couldn't move with him at the helm, you had another opportunity to put Hudson Card in and you chose not to do it. And you sat there all game without an offensive touchdown while you controlled your own destiny to the Big 12 championship. Once again, you've shown more loyalty to Quinn Ewers, not wanting to rattle him, not, you know, coddling him. than the players on this football team who deserved an opportunity to compete for the Big 12 championship this year and now have to hope that Kansas State loses to do so. While Hudson Card, who put three great performances on tape, two great performances, I should say, on tape, statistically is better than Quinn Ewers in every category this year, somehow isn't getting an opportunity when the starting quarterback does not look good at all. When the starting quarterback has put two performances on tape worse than what we saw against Arkansas last year with Hudson Carr. I said it. And if Steve Sarkeesian is the quarterback whisperer, why can't Quinn Ewers get off his primary read? If Steve Sarkeesian is the quarterback whisperer in an elite offensive mind, why can't Quinn Ewers go through his progressions? And 10 months into his time at the University of Texas with Sark being a quarterback whisperer and an elite offensive mind, why does Quinn Ewers still not recognize what he's seeing and still rely so much on arm talent rather than mechanics and footwork? And then when asked about those mechanics and footwork, your answer was, it's fine. But yet when Quinn Ewers was asked about his mechanics and footwork, he said, yeah, I've gotten really lazy with my footwork in that regard in the running in the past game, the last few weeks, that's something I need to clean up. So when asked about it, you said everything was fine. And Quinn Ewers dissected his own footwork saying it's not good enough. I understand not throwing your quarterback under the bus, but you could have said that's an area that I would like to see him improve in. Your coddling Quinn Ewers and coddling Quinn Ewers may have cost this team a path to the Big 12 championship game. And I understand some of this is on Quinn Ewers. He hasn't looked great. He's brought up his practice habits multiple times. He needs to be better at practicing. He needs to take this more seriously. I question how much he wants to be great as a quarterback at the University of Texas. And that's something you have to question with a kid who's been a millionaire since his junior year, skipped his senior year, 
you know, for a bag, you know, skipped a senior year of football and doesn't look super motivated right now. But this offense is regressing under my elite offensive head coach and Steve Sarkeesian. And one of the most talented quarterbacks in the nation is regressing under my elite quarterback whisperer, Steve Sarkeesian. We talked about this Texas offense when they're at their best is with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson carrying them and letting Quinn Ewers compliment them, especially from what we've seen the last four weeks where, once again, I emphasize that Quinn Ewers is averaging 18 incompletions per game, right? That's insane. B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson combined for 17 touches against TCU. We said that the formula for Texas on offense was – a plus 50% run split and a sub 40% pass split that worked against Kansas state where they had a 55, 56% run split, 44% pass split against TCU. You threw the ball 39 times and your running backs combined for 17 touches, all carries, no catches. And I get, we want to say, well, all the running game wasn't going anywhere. Sark said in his press conference that they came in with the game plan to run the, the ball, but, you know, they were dealing with too many second and longs, like ignoring that a lot of those second and longs were because Quinn Ewers threw deep incompletions to Xavier Worthy on first down, but we'll ignore that. But my thing is, is we so we're so quick to say the running game isn't working. Like we don't have B. John Robinson back there. Like we don't have a Roshan Johnson back there. And I understand, you know, Roshan's first five carries didn't really go anywhere. I understand B. John Robinson's first 12 carries didn't go anywhere. But it's Bijan Robinson. His first 12 carries, touches, not going anywhere, doesn't mean that he shouldn't get 12 more. I don't know what his 13th touch is going to be. His 14th touch might be a 70 yarder to the house. It's Bijan Robinson. Why would you take the ball out of his hands? Why would Roshan Johnson only get five carries? Why would neither one get a catch? Bijan Robinson is a playmaker. He's not just a running back. He needs 20 touches a game. I don't care if you give him 12 carries and eight catches. But in the biggest game of the season, for you to decide not to put the ball in his hands is criminal. You have first and goal inside the five, and B. John Robinson doesn't get a touch. That's criminal. And a big reason why we lost, I asked y'all a few weeks ago, what is Sark's offensive identity, and is it consistent week to week? No, it's not. One week we're a power run team. One week we're a let it air out with Quinn Ewers air raid team. This team doesn't have an offensive identity and it's not consistent week to week. And as soon as one thing doesn't work, Sark gets off of it. Hell, as soon as something does work, Sark gets off of it. Every week we don't know what we're going to get from this Texas offense with our elite offensive head coach and Steve Sarkeesian and elite offensive personnel. Why is that? What has Steve Sarkeesian brought to the University of Texas? Playmaker-wise, Xavier Worthy clearly is having a sophomore slump, yet we're targeting him significantly more than everybody else. Jordan Whittington is one of the best and most underrated receivers in the country. We target him inconsistently. Like I said, use your mismatches. B. John Robinson, 12 touches. Use your mismatches. J.T. Sanders, used inconsistently. Doesn't get involved until it's too late, until they realize that Throwing the ball deep every other play to Xavier Worthy isn't going to work. Now let's let's go underneath to JT Sanders. Give me a break. 
you're an elite offensive mind, but we don't trust any receivers outside of Jordan Whittington and, and JT. I mean, and Xavier Worthy. I mean, Savion. I mean, Savion Red got in the game a little bit, but only three players had catches: Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, and Jordan Whittington. You're recruiting all of these elite offensive players, but what are you showing them if only two, three, or four players on your offense can touch the ball at a time? If you can only attack defenses with two, three, four players at a time. I put the majority of this on Steve Sarkeesian, and we'll talk about Quinn Ewers a little bit more in the week. Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr specifically. But I put this on Steve Sarkeesian because through 22 games, he has not shown me really anything at the University of Texas outside of recruiting. I put this on Steve Sarkeesian because in the two biggest games of the year at home, I just needed my elite offensive head coach to put out an average offensive output. And I got one touchdown and five field goals made. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. I just want to give this defense their flowers. I was at the game. It was tough to watch. It was tough to stomach. And after a while, it became painfully obvious that this offense wasn't going to be able to do anything. When the defense gave up that long run and they went up 10-0, I knew we had lost at that point based on what I had seen from the offense at that point. And then the defense gives you a touchdown, right? And I, I know they had the long run given up. I know they had the crazy play where Anthony Cook lost the ball and it looked like Quentin Johnson you know, caught the easiest touchdown of his life. But when I look at the end product, they allowed 17 points. They gave us seven points. All they asked from our offense was 11 points. And our offense couldn't give them that. When you looked at where TCU was starting in the first half, their drives were starting on our side of the field. Their drives were starting on, on our 40, our 45. And Texas held them to three points in the first half. Three points in the first half. TCU averages 45 points a game, and Texas held them to 17 points in the biggest game of the year. Pete Kukowski is elite, and I know we want to give Gary Patterson credit, and you have to give Gary Patterson some credit. Obviously, he knows those TCU players and their tendencies, and they came out with a game plan that clearly had Sonny Dykes and that TCU offense and Max Duggan rattled. But Pete Kukowski has shown that second-year improvement that he showed at Boise State, that he showed at Washington. He's showing it here at Texas. And this defense has looked like a playoff-level defense in the two biggest games of the season. Two games that ended up being L's because the offense didn't show up on their side of the didn't, – didn't deliver on their end of the bargain. The defensive line was elite. Marin Sorrells was elite getting into the backfield, forcing tackles for loss. When you looked at linebackers, Jalen Ford and DeMarvian Overstone continued to be outstanding. Terrence Brooks, a true freshman, had to start in place of Deshaun Jameson, came right in and had an outstanding game. Jade Barron was a superstar on Saturday, played the game of his life. 
This defense in the two biggest games of the year has exceeded expectations all season. They have exceeded expectations. They're flying to the ball. I think before the game, if not still, they led the nation in pressures. They they had Max Duggan and, and this TCU offense uncomfortable all day. And yes, like I said, I know they gave up a few big plays, but the end result of that was giving up 17 points at home to the number four team in the country who has not lost this year. His defense was elite, and we have to give Pete Kukowski his flowers and give Pete Kukowski his credit. Because what I see so often is Pete Kukowski getting blamed for the Texas Tech game, getting blamed for the last drive against Alabama, getting blamed for the Oklahoma State game. And then when we see the performances against, I guess, TCU or against, you know, Alabama before the last drive, it's Gary Patterson. When we see Anthony Cook or Keandre Coburn forcing crucial fumbles to win games against Kansas State and Iowa State. It's Gary Patterson. Don't need to remind you. I shouldn't need to remind you this, but Pete Kukowski is the one calling the plays. Pete Kukowski is the one with the headset on. I know there's no common denominator because Gary Patterson has been brought in. But at any other school, we would give the defensive coordinator credit for an excellent defense. Say so Gary Patterson deserves some credit, and I'm glad that he's been brought on. I'm sure he's helping Sark with the offense and Pekakowski with the defense. But when I look up defensive coordinator, University of Texas, it says Pekakowski, and I have to give Pekakowski an A plus for what he has done this year. Pekakowski has fielded a defense that should have carried this Texas team to the Big 12 championship. I'm going to say that again. Pete Kukowski has fielded a defense that should have carried Texas to the Big 12 championship game. And I have to say the offense didn't deliver their end of the bargain this year. So coming up, a quick word from the Longhorn Real Estate team, and then we're going to talk about what this means moving forward for Sark, the University of Texas, and I guess the rest of the season. Dwelling Austin and Hill Crunchy Mortgages have combined to make your Longhorn real estate team. And in a changing, more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions make us able to achieve the best results for our clients. And our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research, information, and expertise, which is now more important than ever. Hill Country Mortgages and Dwell in Austin have combined to make your Longhorn Real Estate team for all your real estate needs in the Austin area. www.longhornrealestateteam.com. Hill Country Mortgages LLC, NMLS 2324262. Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872. Equal housing opportunity. So many people are saying that y'all are overreacting and y'all are mad and the sky is falling. We predicted that this Texas team would go eight and four. They're on track to go eight and four. What's the issue, right? The issue is when you predicted this team to go eight and four, there was no context of how these games would go. So, yeah, now I am mad, even if they do go eight and four, which you're chalking up is crazy right now because we have two games left against Kansas and Baylor. And I don't know what this Texas team has showed you to assume that they're going to win both of those games. But if you told me that I was going to have a lead on Alabama, with less than two minutes to go, if you told me I was going to have a 14-point lead against Texas Tech, if you told me I was going to have a 14-point lead against Oklahoma State, and you told me that I was going to hold a TCU team that averages 45 points a game to 17 at home, 
would you sign up for six and four? Come on now. <laughs> like the season has been a disappointment thus far. And I don't know what I'm going to get. I thought, you know, the Kansas game would be circled on their schedule. I thought it would be a big game going into Kansas to avenge what happened last year. But if my team didn't show up for a game where they controlled their own destiny, with one of the biggest recruiting weekends on campus ever, college game day there, against an undefeated TCU team who was fighting for the college football playoff, I don't know what type of effort I'm going to get against Kansas in a game that now really doesn't mean as much. I don't know what type of effort I'm going to get against Baylor in a game where they might not even be eligible for the Big 12 championship game. I don't know what I'm going to get from these seniors who now know they have, what, two, three games maybe if they play in a bowl game left at the University of Texas. We said last year that it was Steve Sarkeesian's first year, and I understood that he went five and seven, but he had every opportunity to go eight and four with leads against Baylor, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma going into the fourth quarter. We said this year was the year before the year. And I'm excited to see what this Texas football team looks like next year. But we have to stop ignoring what this Texas team could have done this year. This Texas team has shown you at times that they had the ceiling of a 10-win football team. And now it's very realistic that they could end the regular season with a 7-5 and five record. This Texas team continues to leave meat on the bone, and Steve Sarkeesian through 22 games has left meat on the bone. And so it remains to be seen what we'll see from this Texas team moving forward. Will they be resilient and bounce back against a Kansas team that embarrassed them last year? I hope. <laughs> but from what I saw against TCU, me being in the building, that being the biggest game of the year, and them treating it like the orange and white game, essentially, <laughs> I just don't know what to say or what I'll see from this Texas team moving forward. And even if they win their next two games, we can say that eight and four is an improvement from five and seven. But when you look at how the eight and four happened, it's hard even for the sunshine pumpers to convince themselves that this 2022 season for Texas hasn't been a disappointment. And Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers had a great opportunity to answer a lot of the questions about them against TCU. And I'm not so sure after that game, we now don't have even more questions than answers. Hook them.